Beginning Transmission 81. Sabrina, Final Under Halloween, Part 2. Hey, hey, you're all sinners. You're all going to the painful, everlasting, fiery This week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. はい、皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんにちは。皆さんこんに
bad puppy. Bad puppy. <laughs> I, was so, I was really hoping you were going to use that drop at Clean Filth at Comic-Con. I didn't even think about it until afterwards and you told me. I really didn't. All I used was the wrong song. For those of you who saw the Clean Filth panel, which was over a month ago now. So, uh, wow. yeah, I, uh, I used the wrong song on there, uh, which I still have. I'm waiting to use it for a very special occasion here. Waiting to use also for a very special occasion, we have Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Adam, uh, the film critic and reviews editor for Big Shiny Robot, as well as the co-host of the Bored as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Andy. And yes, even though this is a month from now, uh, Comic-Con is over, I'm still tired as shit, and all my panels went really well, actually. I was really happy. We had some uh, really good turnouts and a lot of good conversation, and it was a lot of fun, but it's really fucking tiring, so I'm... I think I've gotten about 36 hours of sleep in the last three days, and I'm still tired. I do have to say, your uh, the last panel you did was a special treat. Yeah, we, we were discussing Riverdale, actually, which is sort of appropriate for the show. For this, yeah. <laughs> and it was really just, like, this woman on the end talking about everything. Like, Adam, you, and Bill Frost were barely speaking at all, really. Well, we tried, but I mean, she kept never <laughs> someone. And considering the fact that how much she didn't like the series, she had a lot of opinions about it. And honestly, yeah. at that point in time... I, I was so out of it. Like, oh, I had just I done three back-to-back panels, and I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to sit here and make snarky comments and talk about how hot KJ Apple and Cole Sprouse are, and that's yeah. about all I'm going to continue because it was, the last, it was the last one of the con. It was sparsely populated, and honestly, they were just pulling people from the audience up and having them talk and react and do stuff, so it was fine. It was what it, it, was, what it was. It was yeah. still fun, but it wasn't, it was more it wasn't how I would have done it. Yeah, it was more of a love fest. I was like, hey, how great is Riverdale? So great. And then so, it was that so over and over again. But yeah. if you've already seen Dawson's Creek, you've seen it already. That's my opinion. Um, although I think Riverdale does it a little bit better, but that's... And to be completely honest, I was so out of it, even though I directly referenced you and you asked a question, I forgot you were there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I tried... Well, I was like, this conversation was dwindling, and I'm like, well, maybe Adam will be able to spark a conversation with this, and it went nowhere. No, Everyone just it went, was... Look, huh? What? Like, yeah, it just it died. Oh well, it, it's the last panel, panel at con. Ah, see, I can't even do it. Well, it was, it was cool fun. It was, the whole point is, if the audience had fun. <laughs> yes, that is me right now. Um, no, if the audience had fun, that's what matters, and obviously they had a blast. So, it, in yeah. that case, it was a successful panel. Uh, and hey, I am Brian. I'm a sound designer in Southern California. I am currently working on a video game called Killing Comma My Friend. It sounds like I've been officially asked to go back to Lyric this summer because when Todd and I went back to Monaco <laughs> one afternoon, we ended up wandering into the producer of the theater company and we had a long talk and of course she was like, so you're coming back, right? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. And there was a, a certain person who I was not particularly fond of working with and, and she had assured me that that person would no longer be there. Not because I had bitched and moaned, but just because they didn't have a place for them in general. But we're very curious as to what my perspective is as to why I didn't want to work with that said person. So, and, you know, as much of a diva as I am, it was mainly just a professionalism issue. But, uh, yeah. So I didn't officially not get someone a job, but I might have officially gotten myself a job. So. Yay! Uh, what, boys and girls, that means is Brian will be coming back to Utah again next summer, and there'll be yes. lots more fun. Yes, that's that's the hope. And maybe we can convince Q to come, yeah, maybe we can convince Q to come out again, and we'll have more shenanigans. Also, Lee was really upset when he found out I'd been out there a bunch this summer because he wanted to try to drag me in to do some geek show. But maybe I'll do that next year, so who knows. So we are talking this week about The Chilling Adventure of Sabrina, end of our Halloween stuff. This is the first trade. I don't know. Is there a second one out yet? No. There, there haven't been enough issues for a second trade because yeah. it comes out... 
whenever they put it out. I think they're maybe up to issue eight or nine, so uh-huh. there should be a trade soon-ish if they do the next two issues regularly. But yeah, it's kind of like after with Archie's taken forever to get a second trade. Yeah, I think it's been over a year since we've gotten an issue of Afterlife with Archie. Well, the the trade for the for Afterlife with Archie two is supposed to come out in February, and so I, yeah, <laughs> they they need to put out more issues to ha- to fill that trade first. Well, maybe they'll put maybe they'll put them out in October or something like that for Halloween. On Amazon, it currently states <coughs> that Volume Two of Sabrina will be out in December nineteenth of this year. Oh, okay. there you go. So hopefully that comes up. So something for Christmas if you happen to like this book. But we will start out uh, with a. Well, let's see. Should we start out with a summary of this book? Maya, you you recommended this. Do you want to give us a little quick summary as to? Uh, you know, what we can expect from this book? Yeah, um, I mean, it's Sabrina Sabrina the Teenage Witch with her aunts that you know. It's just a bit darker. A lot, very, uh, very into the occult and witchcraft. Not, not just like fun bubbly spells, but there is some dark horror that goes into this. And it's, uh, all leads up to Sabrina pledging her life to the Dark Lord and becoming a full witch on her 16th birthday. And, like uh, something comes back from their past to uh, throw a wrench into things. Dun, dun, dun! Okay. There right, we go. Florida That's heavy. Today. That is very heavy. Uh, again, not what I was expecting, because, you know, there's... I grew up with the TV series, and then, you know, we with the Archie series, it's always been kind of, like, lighthearted and fun. And then I opened this book up, I'm like, oh, yeah. hell, Satan and all that. You know, that's, that's nothing compared to what I was expecting. So, so yeah, go in knowing this is this is very much an adult comic book. It's not you're not getting it for your kids to read. The, the Archie series we just did last month, that your kids can read. But this one I would definitely recommend for at least PG-13 and up. So, well then, I mean, since this is so heavy and dark, I think Adam's gonna need a drinking game. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver. For this week's drinking game, remember it's only a game, and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously, and above all else, please drink responsibly. Um, the title of this drinking game is, That Lady Has Skulls for Eyeballs. God damn you! <laughs> Here, before, so, you can, before you continue, I'm going to say that was mine until Adam told me what his drinking game was, so I decided <laughs> to let him have it. That's why I went first, because this one just kind of you eyeballed me, <laughs> one might say. So there's a certain character that, when it's in a less than appealing mode, has skulls for eyeballs. And every time you see that, one should take a drink, and it will kill you. So it'll be a lot yeah. of fun. See, I was going to call it the, uh, well, that's creepy as fuck rule. <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep it as that? Or do you want to do, do a different one, Adam? I'll do, I got one. So I'm gonna, mine's going to call it the short bus to hell. Every time they talk about hell, you have to take a drink. Uh, mine I don't have a name for. I couldn't okay. think of a clever name, but it's just any time that they mention that witches and normal humans can't mix in relationships, take a drink. Uh, men are from Venus, witches are from Mars. There you go. Or something like that. And mine, I am taking from Adam's catchphrase or sign-off from the Board of Hell Board of Hell podcast. Mine is called "Hail Satan and Have a Lovely Afternoon." And this is every time Satan is mentioned or the Dark Lord, take a drink, which will also get you fucked up. Also, we're just being, we're just being really mean on, on with these drinking games. We've had some really fucked up drinking games this last couple weeks. It is Halloween. There might just be a, a tendency for horror to have repeating mo- motifs to sort of re, uh, create a reaction. You know what I mean? I think that is sort of mm-hmm. a semi-traditional thing. Uh, to re- like your villain or certain aspects to be repeated and repeated to help kind of intensify that horror. So that might be why all of our drinking games have been so evil, you know? Because like sometimes it's hard for us to find 
something that repeats throughout the book to create as a drinking game or something that's really kind of, you know, iconic. But, uh, you know, these are, there's a lot of different little things that kind of repeat as things are going on. So um, now is the point in time where we will get votes on to what uh, everyone thinks about this book, whether or not it is worth your time to read. Vote for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the form. Vote for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's going to run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you. Our dear listener. Along with each vote. Our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now who is the bond? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Start with Maya. Absolutely yes. Uh, especially if you're looking for something for for Halloween, this is like like I said earlier, the most Halloween book we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Adam, what's your vote? Uh, definitely yes. Like like Maya said, it's a Halloween book. We, we had some scary books and some creepy ones, but this really fits in with you know witches and black cats and everything kind of known for the Halloween's known for. Todd, what's your vote? Absolutely yes. It seems everything that the Archie brand's been putting out lately has been great. So yes. And I'm also yes, and uh, I know I'm not much of an art guy, but I fucking love the art in this book. Yes, um, it's pretty great. It's pretty. It's well, it's not it's not the clean, polished stuff that we're sometimes used to seeing in comics, but it's really fun. If I, if I remember correctly from a, an article I was reading, um, or it may have be, even been in like a forward in the trade or something, mm-hmm. uh, the artist had just done some covers previously, mm-hmm. and like this was his first interior work. Yeah, it was, and so like he'd never done interior, and then so they couldn't find a colorist to work with, and they asked if he'd other, ever colored his own work, and he said yes, so they asked if he could do this, and so yeah, he he basically took on, you know, for the first time doing all the interiors and coloring, and like did a lot of work on it. Let me grab that artist's name real fast. Uh, Robert Hack is the name of the artist. But, That's uh, probably why it takes so long to get stuff out. I think so too, but I'm also wondering if they're just not releasing stuff for the horror line of Archie's other than like around Halloween. And then that would explain why it only shows up every so often, would be my thought. Um, and then, real quick, just to let you know, I did look at our Magical Diamond retailer site here. Issue uh, 9 doesn't come out till the first week of December, so I'm betting that release date that you saw for Trade 2 will end up changing. Okay. Yay! That's not even in our system yet. Well, uh, anybody have any warnings that I think people should know before going into this book? Again, like we just talked about how it is really heavy on the occult. I know some people are, are uncomfortable with that, so if you're not... If you're not good with seeing spells being done and Satan being talked about a lot and worshiping the Dark Lord, maybe stay away from this. Um, it's all fake, but some people don't believe. Some people don't believe that. So if you have a really strong aversion to this, uh, I would stay away. Well, that and to be honest with you, when you have that image of Sabrina the Teenage Witch from you know '90s sitcom in your mind, and you go into this, the constant talk of you know the devil and you know witches and whatever like it's a much more darker quote-unquote realistic to what witches would actually be sort of take on it and that can be a little unnerving just because based on what you previously had thought about sabrina as well you know what i mean it's like it'd be kind of i guess in a certain extent it'd be kind of like the full house kids suddenly be talking about human sacrifice you know which maybe they did off the air but well that's, that's what bob saget was doing when he's off off camera so yeah bob saget i'm not surprised but i'm more thinking about the olsen twins oh you know they've, so, they've made sacrifices of the devil i'm sure they have that's so. why they won't come back to fuller house oh, and they're also billionaires so 
Yeah, that helps. They, they don't need any of that money. Well, cool. So this is your opportunity to read the book. Um, we will hang out in the magical nether place of the internet uh, where witches and warlocks chill. And uh, while we have some witches brew, um, we will wait for you. And once you're done reading this, press play again, and we will spoil the shit out of this on the other side. That's actually the name of my drink this week. <laughs> I know, that's why I said it. Oh, okay. I was dropping a hint, so... If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Cool, and welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed the book, and now is the point in time in which we do the lightning round. Normally this is what Q is here for. However, with him gone, the last time one of us poor souls is going to have to do it until Q gets back, Adam is going to join us or join us, is going to delight yeah, us. I'm walking in right now. <laughs> yeah, he's walking in right now. Please welcome Adam uh, to do the lightning round. Lightning round begins now. Okay, so it starts out in 1951. We meet this guy, Edward Spellman, and we learn that he is uh, a warlock. And all these women here, and they're talking about something big happening, and you can tell they're waiting for this uh, baby to be born. So we skip over there and we see this woman run into the forest with a baby because she doesn't want to let Ed uh, have the baby. But of course she's in the forest and witches love the forest so they find her and they take the baby back and Edward basically puts her in a coma and takes her to a mental institution and just basically says, oh she's crazy now, blah blah blah. So she goes out there and he meets, uh, I think it's his sisters? Yes. Yeah, Zelda and, oh what's her, oh. Hilda. Hilda. Zelda and Hilda and basically puts uh, them in charge of young baby Sabrina. So we skip ahead a couple years and we see Sabrina's now like six years old and she's obviously something's going on because she's very, very powerful. She's already like lifting uh, her aunts up in the air with telekinesis. She's like, no, it's my birthday, I want to do it. And they're like, stop being a bitch, let us down. And then she's like, oh no, where's my dad, where's my dad? And you look over and see that he has been encased in a tree for a crime that they have not explained yet. So she gets a present and it's her cat Salem, which is her familiar. Uh, he's a sassy little bitch. Uh, now it's a little later, she's now 11 years old and Sabrina finds out that she is a half-breed and because she's at this witch's school and people are taunting her because witches are only supposed to mate with other witches but her father uh, had sex with a, a human woman so a muggle if you want to go there and so everyone's making fun of her but her aunt gets pissed and goes and scares the little girl by turning into a huge spider dun, dun, dun. exactly uh, and then you see that the answer like telekinetically thinking like hey maybe we should leave here because Sabrina's not being treated right so they leave and they decide to go to Greendale which is another coven over there uh, skip ahead again, we've got Sabrina in junior high school, and we meet her uh, cousin Ambrose. He's moving in because he was a bad kid, and we find out that he has two familiars, which are uh, two cobras named Nagina, Nagiane, or something like that, and Nog. So they have fun, and they become friends, and then we skip ahead to her first day of high school. And so they're debating whether or not, the, it's in 64 now, so they're debating whether or not they should put a glamour on her to make her look sexy or cool or protected. And Salem comes in and poops on it, because that's what Salem does. She goes to school, she meets Rosalind, who uh, is the red-haired bitch who doesn't like her, is kind of a cunt to her. And she meets and kind of instantly falls in love with this guy named Harvey Kinkle. She goes home, she's talking to her cousin about all kinds of things and says that they should put a spell on him to make him kind of fall in love with her, which they do. And the next day they go to school and now this guy's all about her and wants to hang out. Uh, we skip ahead, now we're, uh, we see Betty and Veronica. And Betty and Veronica actually are witches over in Riverdale and they try to summon something, a succubus to get back at someone, and they summon a creature, but it's not what they think it is. It's this weird, creepy bitch with skulls for eyes, so drink. 
and we find out that her name is Madame Satan, and what happens is she comes out of the water, she's like kind of hibernating, she goes to this uh, sleepaway camp, which looks exactly like the sleepaway camp from the movie Sleepaway Camp, and she realizes she has to get a new face, so she finds this really pretty girl and cuts off her face. Uh, she goes, she's hitchhiking, she gets picked up by this guy in a semi, come to find out that he has been kidnapping, raping, and murdering uh, lots and lots of women, so she kills him and then leaves his truck in the middle of nowhere. She goes over and she finds the tree that Edward has been encased in, and she realizes, oh, I should go ahead and bring him back to life, and then she realizes that he fucked her over, so she burns the tree to the ground and destroys him, and then she goes to visit uh, Diana, the, the woman that Edward married, at the insane asylum, and she goes and talks to her, and they're told, like, oh, no, she's not getting better. She's been kind of losing it. It feels like she's been lobotomized. So they're sitting there, and Madam Satan's like, oh, Diana, you know, I'm sorry for it. Let me tell you the story. And we find out that Madam Satan was supposed to marry Edward, but then last minute, Edward's like, no, I can't. I need to marry this woman, Diana, and have a baby. She's like, why the fuck would you do that? You're horrible. And then she gets pissed and teleports herself into the lion's den and gets eaten, but then wakes up in hell where people who are suicides are being tortured for the rest of their life. And she thinks, oh, you know what, Diana, it really wasn't your fault, so I'm going to make you feel better. Actually, I'm going to kill you. Then she decides, no, I'm going to be a bitch and make you, bring you back to lucid thought. And you'll be stuck here for the rest of your days trying to convince people that you're not crazy. Because you're not anymore, but they're not going to believe you. Dun, dun, dun! Yes. And then Adam Satan finds out that uh, Diana did have a daughter and that she's living in Greendale. So she goes there to kind of kind of start her revenge. Fast forward, you got Harvey making out with Sabrina. And then Adam Satan goes to this bar and controls people's minds and makes them kill and fight each other. Sabrina's having a really bad dream. She sees her mom in her dream. She just gets warned, hey, this lady's coming for you. And then the trees attack the mom. And then you see the mom's actually in the insane asylum trying to say, no, these bad things are happening, but no one will listen to her. Uh, the next morning, Sabrina's having uh, breakfast, finds out that there's a bunch of bad omens happening, like the milk's gone bad. People are talking in their minds. They go to high school. They try out for uh, Bye Bye Birdie. And everyone's making fun of Sabrina, like, oh, you can't do it because you have to sound better than Anne Margaret. Well, come to find out, it looks like she actually went and hung out with Anne Margaret and learned some tricks on how to perform the role the right way to actually get it. Madam Satan goes to, uh, finds out that she's doing this play. She goes to the theater and she meets the uh, theater teacher there. They watch the movie together. Madam Satan gives her a handkerchief, or gets a handkerchief from her. They go home and she puts a spell on the, on the, um, teacher so that she has a, a stroke and goes into a coma and the next day you see that she calls herself Evangeline Porter she has now taken over as the drama teacher so she can get at Sabrina dun 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 <laughs> okay so then it's uh <laughs> bitch uh, they're out, it's, it flashes back they're, Sabrina's in the woods with her aunts and they're kind of going over the history of witches and everything that happened about you know the Salem witch trials and how people sacrificed themselves so that they uh, they wouldn't have to give up other witches and then they explained how uh basically the, how everything's set up. So it used to be when you were a baby, you'd be baptized and signed into the devil's book, but they realized that people didn't have free will, so now it happens when you're 16, and Sabrina's turning 16 on that Halloween, so her big thing's coming up. Uh, Sabrina's at school, and she gets pulled aside by Madam Satan, who tells her, like, Prona tries to get her on her side and says, oh, Rosalind you know, went for the role, She'll, maybe I'll give it to her, and Sabrina's like, oh, no, she's kind of a bitch, and doesn't, people don't like her, so she gives the role to Sabrina, and then the lead role goes to her boyfriend, but then they're getting in his car, and Henry's trying to get her to go do stuff with him for her 16th birthday, and she's trying to say, well, no, I can't, I got something going on with my family, uh, also, we can't have sex, I can't explain why, uh, you basically find out that they can't have sex because when she goes through the purification process to become part with the devil, uh, she has to be a virgin. Wow! 
I said. Exactly. So um, we find out that Madam Satan has a home familiar, which is the guy who was killed at the bar, and she sends him off as a raven to go find the place in the, the woods where they're going to go ahead and do this whole big thing. The night before the ceremony, uh, Sabrina's talking to her cousin, and he's just talking about, she's like, oh, I don't know if I should do this or not. Maybe I should stay human. Maybe I should become a witch. Who knows? But then we can see that her boyfriend's at school, and he just can't focus. Something's going on. So he talks to Miss uh, Madam Satan, and she's like, oh, hey, I heard that Sabrina is going to the woods next on her birthday and she's gonna meet up with some other guy you should probably go see it because we find out that during the ceremony because she's a female only woman can be there and like no one male can show up or else it will just fuck everything up the next day she's doing all these uh sabrina's lighting all these candles she's not talking she's not eating she is let us front and finds a goat named baphomet who is supposed to she's supposed to like fly over to do the whole thing she walks through fire and it kills part of her soul but it's a little bit of it uh and then she's told oh you have to kill baphomet and she's like no i don't want to but then she does because she has to and satan shows up but everyone's like yay satan and they all start dancing and like i'll have orgasms which is kind of weird and then satan tells them, okay you have to go ahead and sign your name in this book because uh you're covered in blood do these sacrifices henry shows up heart i'm gonna call him henry his name's harvey shows up and all the witches like oh no we have to get him and then madam satan's like the great heroine begins so harvey's being chased through the woods and the witches are coming after him trying to get him and he flashes back to when he was a kid and he found a stash of pornos in the woods because he's a horny little bastard and then these other three bullies try to like fight him so he runs home so he's running through the woods and he sees sabrina and she's like no come here let me talk to you and so he does and come to find out that it's a witch and she grabs him and starts trying to eat him so the main witch is back at the uh, big thing going on have sabrina all tied up in like ivy and they're like why did you do this why did you bring him here and she's like i didn't i didn't know what's going on so they say oh you let him follow you fuck you you're horrible so she runs down and she tries to go rescue harvey but then we find out that the uh, other witch ate him and so then it flashes her head of all the things she could have done if she would have chosen the path of daytime and not nighttime that they could have gotten married and had family but of course not they can't do that anymore because he's dead she feels really really guilty and her aunts are like no just the coven's going to take care of it it's our way but there's going to be a trial she's not eating uh Harvey's parents keep on calling, trying to find out where he is. They do a huge search party. No one can find him. And they actually invite the kids from Riverdale, so like Archie and Veronica and Betty, come over and kind of help look for everything. Betty and Veronica get approached by Madam Satan, and she reminds them, hey, I was once your mentor. I get to come help me out. Back home, Sabrina doesn't ever want to eat because she, she's still not hungry. And they realize that the way they got rid of the body was they probably gave it to his aunts or her aunts and they've been eating the body over the last couple days. Uh, they cancel the Bye Bye Birdie show because the kid's dead. The police arrest the three bullies from back in the day and blame it on them saying they're going to try to beat a confession out of them. And then finally, Sabrina talks to Harvey's mom. They hug. And then M Madam Satan overhears and says, hey, I can help you do this. I can bring Harvey back from the dead if you want to. Back in Riverdale, Betty and Veronica are rehearsing a scene from Macbeth. And the teacher's like, oh, you guys are like actual witches. How do you do that? And they're like, oh, we'll never tell. So they meet up with Madam Satan. They go to watch the trial and basically do all these things where Sabrina's put on trial and has to like hold these hot coals and if it burns her, it means she's telling a lie. And then put this like needle through her hand, if she bleeds at all, it means that she's also telling a lie. But Madam Satan casts a spell to make everything that happened to her actually happen to uh, Veronica. So everything comes out and I'm like, yeah, you're, you're innocent. And then Sabrina's like, well, now that I've been cleared innocent, do you, does this mean I can never be tried for the same crime again? And he's like, yes, pretty much. Um, you also find out that the whole reason why that Edward Spillman got, was able to mate with a human was because the devil himself showed up and told him that he needs to have a baby with a mortal and she'll be really, really powerful. Cool, so then uh, Betty, Veronica, Madam Satan, and Sabrina all go in the woods. They bring Harvey's clothes, they do a whole bunch of stuff, and they do a whole bunch of basically necromantic spells. Wayne comes in, blows them out, and they say that they have to wait three days, so everyone's trying to be normal. 
And then sure enough, on the third day, you see this thing come out of the woods, put on this guy's thing, and go back to Harvey's mom's house. So he comes, knocks on the door, uh, his mom and dad are there, and his mom goes to open it, and dad's like, no, something's wrong, what's going on? So they get in a big fight, and basically she kills uh, his dad with a lamp, and they open it up, and you find out, hey, it's actually not Harvey, it's Edward Spellman, who is Sabrina's dad, but he's back, and he's all evil and crazy. And then he calls Sabrina and says, hey, I'm back, it's me. And he's like, yes, I'm back, I can't wait to see you. And you see that he has tied up the kid's mom and his dad's dead, and that's what it is. So bad things are happening, and that will spill over into the next five issues. A lot of book, it's a very heavy read, and there's a lot of Satan in it, like a lot There's of a lot of Satan yeah. in it. Well, cool, well, Todd, what are your thoughts starting out with? I think it's part of the forward of this. The author kind of wanted to have this book be similar to Sandman in a lot of respects. And I think it hits that well, pretty well. The art, again, as we said, it is gorgeous, and it does a very bang-up job, and it fits beautifully with the style of the storytelling. This is a heavy story, and as it yep. goes through, there's nothing really lighthearted about it. I mean, you see a little bit of teenager Ewing. You see her boyfriend trying to talk her into a hand job or something, and she's going, I just can't. You'll understand one day, but I just can't. It's really well done. I was captivated by the read. Uh, it jumps back and forth. I mean, there's enough jumping back and forth on the timetable that make Tarantino proud. <laughs> this is very true, yeah. There's a lot of time jumping, but at the same time, it is also very clear. This was then, now we're back to now, now we're at then again, and now it's now, and in a moment, it'll be later. So some of that was going on, but I think it was handled well, and it was clear enough. I caught everything going on, but there was a lot of time jumping, and it worked well with pacing, because if that really did just go in chronological order, it wouldn't have worked as nearly as well. I'm trying to think of it. Betty and Veronica as witches were kind of fun, but it firmly ensconces this as an alternate reality in many ways from yeah. the other Archie books. It's nothing like Afterlife with Archie, and it's nothing like the current take that Mark Waite's been doing on Archie as well. It's definitely mm -hmm. its own animal and its own thing, and it does it really well. The um, art is fun. There's a lot of fun with the covers and the variants, and it's giving homages to different things of horror in the genre. And um, I just really enjoyed reading it. This is definitely one. It's like, after I read the whole thing, it's like, I need to read this again. Also, this is long. It's only five issues, but it is a long five issues for me. And see, I actually, I, I got to it really fast. I mean, it was, it's a read that's, it's fun, uh -huh. and it's interesting, and yes, it is heavy and dark, but it's kind of one of those things where you just want to keep on seeing what's happening, so yes. there was never a time where I had to, I wanted to put it down and take a break, I just wanted to keep on turning the page to see what happens next. Now, I agree with you, I had a great time doing it, but there is a lot of pages to turn, and just to have that in mind, and it's, um, I don't really have much bad to say about it. Is it that there are more pages, or is it just that the story is more condensed into the space that it's allotted? I, I think, I think it's just so dense that it feels like it's a lot of pages, because I actually felt yeah. that a lot, too. Mm -hmm. Not saying that in a negative, but yeah, right. it did feel much longer than it actually was. Because, yeah, this okay. has a lot of plot. So there's a lot of yeah. things like, what happens? Like, eh, not a lot happened. It was fine. And this one's like, there is a lot that happens and Hail Satan and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's enough plot points in like the first issue, like that is almost more than sometimes full traits that we read on this show. Well, you it was know, kind of refreshing to have that too, because a lot of stuff yeah. we read, there's so much filler. Mm -hmm. It's like you can yeah. tell they're trying to pad the story out. Whereas this one, every single page and every single panel was necessary to, to explain what was going on, where mm -hmm. everything was going. Uh, and the final, the ending of this, well, and again, it does kind of leave on, end on a cliffhanger with Edward Spellman being back to life, but it was, again, it was enjoyable, and the fact that, yeah, it was dense, but it was, it did it the right way. 
It, did it wasn't the right like way. when we read Powers and you had Bendis with 50,000 words on every page because no one tells him no. That happens there. But this could also be the advantage of not having a monthly delivery. It's they yeah. do it till they get it right <laughs> and then it gets released. So it's when's the next one coming out? We don't know. But when it does, it'll be good. And I do like that aspect of it. Um, I want to get people's thoughts as far as the art goes. Like it has both a vintage feel. And like sort of a pastel-y feel, but also I was like the tones on it almost make me feel like it could be inscribed in like the Necronomicon almost a little bit because like it feels very vintage, but like vintage comic books didn't actually look like this. And I was just kind of curious as what other people's thoughts were. It had on... it did have kind of a pulp feel to it, mm-hmm. like you know you yeah. see from like the old 40s and 50s and stuff. Obviously a lot more mature than what you'd find on that, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was it definitely very very moody. And even though there are lots of bright colors throughout, there's really some really cool scenes, especially when uh, Sabrina is chasing after uh, Harvey in the woods, where there's uh, obviously a lot of red on her because she's covered in, in goat's blood, but a lot of use of them like black and white and sepia to where the certain scenes where you you know it gets dark and dreary, the color gets drained out, but then you turn the page and you know there's a lot of reds and oranges, and, and it, it kind of makes the book feel like you're reading a book that takes place in hell because you've got the the hues of what you expect from fires everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. As, as far as the actual art goes, if you were to take the colors out and turn it into a black and white comic, it would look just like all the like '70s Marvel horror uh, magazines they did, like Tomb of Dracula and all that sort of stuff. It, uh, mm-hmm. To me, the art doesn't because you had mentioned you know it has a vintage feel, even though it's not necessarily doesn't look like comics from back then. I kind of disagree. If you if you do go look at those old, I, I guess I was more thinking of like 1960s comics. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it doesn't you, look like 50s you, style stuff. But like, you yeah, you write seventies stuff. It does, yeah. Yeah, the seventies, like especially those Marvel, the horror magazines that Marvel would put out. I don't think I could see anybody else doing this book. I've been sitting yeah. trying to think of someone else. That I was like, oh, if this, per- if uh, if the artist, you know, got needed someone to fill in, who would fill in? I don't. I couldn't see anyone else doing this book. The style, the combination of the art style with the story and the writer, I think, is actually one of the greater combinations I think we've seen. Like, I just, I don't see how this story in other people's hands would work as well as I think it does in this book, you know? Well, I think what it does, the art prevents it from being garish mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff, in a lot of ways. Because there is, you've got that 70s style, but there's a softness to it. There's nothing, there's no real hard lines in everything, and it's not a uh, digital, I'm sure it was done digitally, but it doesn't come across as like the um, hyper-connective, active um, digital things you see in a lot of the mainstream comics of the big two that everything is just popping right off the page and everything else this is kind of set in and it's set back and you kind of is drawn into it instead of it leaping out at you you're drawn into it as much as anything else is my take on how it's done and it's beautifully done yeah i've never described it as being very grounded it takes a story yeah. that can very be very over the top and the art style kind of grounds it into a quote-unquote reality or something resembling that that makes it feel more plausible, realistic, however you want to kind of say about it, even though it's a fantasy book about witches in the middle of the woods in, you know, a 1960s town kind of thing. The woods is the devil's cathedral. It is. It is. Uh, Yeah, this, I will say this is probably one of the more effective books I've read on this month that I actually kind of got spooked out a little bit by. You know what I mean? Not to a, like a I was actually scared by it, but I felt like there was some effectiveness. There's a, a scene, I think, in the end of the first issue where they have the, the woman with the uh, skull eyes, and she's coming into, uh, she's coming out of the water, 
I think it's, oh no, it's right at the beginning of the second issue, um, where she's going into someone's room, and so you have like this relatively hot naked body with this disgustingly disturbing face, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of The Shining, um, <laughs> when uh, he goes into the room, and there's the woman in the bathtub, and he starts making out with her, and then he pulls away, and realizes like she's this corpse kind of thing. It had some references that way that kind of invoked some of that old classic horror that I think kind of, um, I think really spoke to me a little bit on that. Sure. This book, uh, I think, would make like a awesome haunted house of kind of that's like not zombies oh yeah for sure yeah because you have things that seem familiar and then it's as a slight twist but it's not necessarily simply rotting flesh um adam we haven't gotten many thoughts from you what are your thoughts um well i mean like, like i said before it's, it's it's really entertaining it's it's got a lot going for it. it it's nothing like i expected it to be it was, it was it was really cool too to see that they did keep this in the 1960s era archie instead of you know the 2016 2017 we have now with the reboot um mm-hmm. And I think it it almost works better because, you know, nowadays with you know if you look at horror movies, you look how they're they're treating subject matter like this. It's all kind of it's all become digital and technology, and that's why we end up with movies like Unfriended or you know the it's all technical stuff. And I don't think the story would have worked as well with as much modern technology as we have now uh, because yeah. you know you've got like he sees the witches and then boom he takes this picture and it's on Snapchat, and then you know there's it'd be just a completely different type of world. But it does kind of give you, it almost makes it more obscene because we, we do kind of idealize the 50s and 60s, the 50s more so, um, as like, mm-hmm. you know, as American as apple pie and you've got this picturesque town and everyone's friendly and um, and then you have this, these witches and all this crazy stuff with the devil thrown in and just kind of hiding out that are among all of us. And I think that's one of the reasons why this show Riverdale works so well being in this current time is it was this whole huge Twin Peaks murder mystery that was just so... At odds with this this community and what's actually going on in that town, uh, and it's the same thing with this, but it's just also set back in a time that seemed more innocent and idealistic than you know what it is now. But no, it's 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 fantastic. I had a lot of fun with it. Like we've discussed the art ad nauseum, so I won't go there anymore. Uh, but yeah, for someone who normally isn't all about the art, you know, it did drag me in and get me really hooked. Yeah, there's there's some things that are just really creepy and weird in here like like I said at the beginning if you have any kind of aversion to the occult do, do not read this book because True. it'll be it'll be haunting your dreams throughout the nights so well and I think when you're talking of the idealized 50s and 60s and I think also with the idea of Sabrina we kind of mentioned earlier I think the idea of the Archie comics I think the Archie comics can actually really do dark and creepy very well because it does completely subvert what you think of because like Archie is almost like this icon it's almost similar to like Mickey Mouse like it's this wholesome family friendly sort of icon and then when you go as dark with like Archie or Sabrina character as this does, I think it kind of has a little more power because it's the character you identify with and you think of, you know, oh, I'm a good person. All of a sudden you have Sabrina talking about, you know, pledging her life to Satan. You're like, well, I guess technically, yes, she is a witch, but you don't really think about what that entails when you watch her on TV. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Maya, what are your thoughts? There's not much new for me to say other than uh, th- that I've already said. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I also can't imagine it. Uh, I, I did like it being in the set in the 60s. And mm-hmm. with the, uh, they just announced the TV show that they're developing. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I hope that they do keep it in the 60s just to keep it se- a separate I, I would like it to be a separate entity from River- Riverdale but maybe if you do have like the Betty and Veronica show up have the actresses that play them on Riverdale show up as their counterparts in 1960s Sabrina witch occult uh-huh. stuff 
it's it's a chilly not to take it from the title it is a chilling book uh-huh. uh, I thought it was uh, pretty spooky um, you know there's some stuff in it that made me a little uncomfortable at first yeah. and then I went oh yeah it's and then you know once, once you know I saw it and I kind of adjusted to it I'm like okay I'm not so creeped out but there are some stuff some things in this book that are kind of jarring when you first yeah see. No, I completely agree um, I actually I think I read this at like four o'clock in the morning one morning when I couldn't re- couldn't sleep so like I actually had the nice little spooky it's you know, like sitting there with kind of dim light trying not to wake up Jess you know uh, reading this book in the middle of the night in the couch and like actually had the cat that we still have not been able to find a home for this black cat like trying to get my attention the entire time I was reading this which was actually also partially fitting for this book you you should name the cat Salem and keep it uh, it's a sign it I don't sign. know if it is or not. <laughs> I think it's about time for uh, some cocktails. Behold, Mr. we finally fulfill the second half of our Mr. title Boom. and make with the fire Mr. water. Alcoholics transform. We need to get these bitches drunk. That's Calling mine the Salem Witch, and it is. Uh, it actually has how much? It's one cup of ice, a half uh, half an ounce of vodka, half an ounce of raspberry schnapps, half an ounce of melon liqueur such as Midori. One splash of lime juice, a fourth cup of sweet and sour mix, one ounce of club soda, and a splash of grenadine. And uh, basically what you do is you fill a Collins glass with ice, you pour in the vodka, the raspberry schnapps, the melon liqueur, and the splash of lime juice. And then you pour the sour mix until the glass is about two-thirds full. And then you top it off with soda water, you stir gently, and then you add a splash of grenadine to serve. Uh, And it's a nice little sort of, you know... Red Salem Witch cocktail. I know Adam has a cocktail, so Adam, what's your cocktail? Yeah, mine's uh, it's called the Witch's Brew, and it's kind of more for like a party atmosphere. So what you do is you get a six ounce package of uh, lime green gelatin, or jello, whatever you want. Uh, you take two cups of boiling water, add the gelatin to it, stir it until it's dissolved, pour that in a punch bowl, and then you add in a two liter bottle of like 7-Up or ginger ale, whichever you prefer. And then you add in uh, at least two cups, but as much vodka as you want. Just kind of depends whatever your mood is. Uh, let that sit until it gets down to room temperature. Don't add ice to the actual drink, but you want to actually take cups, add ice to that, and then you ladle the drink in. And it's this really cool, like, lime green, effervescent, uh, lime fluorescent green drink. Nice. What does it take for Jello to set up? Because that doesn't create Jello shots. No. Like- so you actually have to you have to put it in the freezer or the fridge. Oh, gotcha. Um, and because and what happens is because you've added so much extra liquid to it, uh, it won't set up. Uh, gotcha. Okay. You actually like so when you make Jello shots, you actually do one cup of boiling water, let it dissolve, then you add one cup of whatever alcohol you want, put that out into like whatever kind of like cups or devices you want, put that in the fridge, and then there is enough. There's not enough liquid in there for it not to set up. So having only ever partaken in Jello shots and never actually made them, I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I find out that's one of my, my skills in life is I'm really good at making Jello shots. Really good at nice. making strong Jello shots. Yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about my first Jello shot experience? No. So I was at a uh, a party. I was working with. Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees, and when I was a kid, I was a really big fan of the Monkees, so Mickey was at this party, and so they had Jell-O shots, so I had, you know, I've had Jell-O as a kid, but I had a Jell-O shot out of a Mickey Mouse paper cup with Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees at the same time. It was like all these different sort of icons of my childhood all combining together at the same time in a lovely little alcoholic form. It was actually really fun. Nice. That's so, so delightful. I was right. It was a fun night. Uh, Todd, what's your cocktail? You know, I'm going to keep with the theme on this. is called a skull shot. You can have a shot glass and you put in a third of a shot of Kahlua, a third of a shot of Bailey's Irish Cream, and then you add a third of a shot of your favorite whiskey or bourbon. And you just have that all in there. You gently 
like swirl it around and then you just knock your head back and pound that. Maya, not to be outdone, what is your cocktail? Uh, mine is called the Black Cat. Uh, oh, nice. It is one ounce of vodka, one ounce of cherry brandy, four ounces of cranberry juice, and four ounces of cola. How do you put mix that it together? All together? Just, yeah, just, just mix it together. There, there were no instructions on it when I found it. <laughs> it was just the ingredients. Does anybody else have anything they want to discuss on this book? I mean, we kind of went through a lot of it already. Buy, no, it. buy it. Buy it. It's really <laughs> good. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm almost headed to go get... Well, no, I'll wait for the trade because I want to see the how the rest of this plays out but what was so cool I, I was going to bring this up earlier was that so yeah it, it does leave on a cliffhanger because trying to figure out what's going on with this new thing what you know how did Edward come back to life instead of Harvey which I'm sure Madam Satan knew about so it leaves you wanting more but also does kind of put a coda on this arc of the, of the story so you're not left like well, that doesn't like it didn't just stop in the middle of the story. It actually, did kind of end it, which is what I didn't like about too much about the when we did Alien. Well, which I'm glad I'm going to read the next series in the Alien books. So that's cool because that's that's the the are the mark of a good writer is that you can tell your story, you can finish it up, but then you leave enough loose ends hanging that's going to make people want to go out there and check out the rest of it. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Um, I also think I just in general I think this is one of the better ways of an origin story being handled where you have its own individual story being handled but also it's flashing back and forth and sort of explaining little elements there and like I know as far as the movies go we've all seen how Spider-Man is created like 10,000 times so I was very happy in the last one that they kind of just left that alone and didn't didn't cover any of it but like when they do all I, I like the fact that there is a story on this alone from not just being an origin story um, which I think is not something we necessarily always get nowadays. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed that aspect of it as well. Well, then we are going to jump into our final votes. Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. So fucking fun. Some, some D's on it, on it, on it. God, please, no! 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 So, we will start with the story. Uh, Todd, what is your vote? The story is incredibly dense, well done, the pacing is good, and I have no complaints with it. I'm going to give this story an A. Uh, Adam? Yep, I'm right there, A. It's, it's, it's interesting, it's intriguing, uh, it's like we already discussed, I like how they, they finished everything up. It's all killer, no filler, and that's that's hard to do, so A. Uh, Maya? I can't really expand on anything that's already been said, but uh, A. A's all around. Oh, yeah. Unless you have something well, different to say. <laughs> no, I don't, actually. So uh, I, I I thought it was an A as well. Like, I thought it was really well written. I think the dialogue is, it feels natural. You know what I mean? Like, it, I sometimes feel like sometimes when modern writers write 1950s stuff, it feels a little too ah shucksy. And this feels, even though it's talking about witches and warlocks and whatnot, I think it's realistic. And uh, I, I think, yeah, I think it was really well done. Uh, so, I mean, I know probably what a lot of these grades are going to be, but let's go into art. Uh, Maya, what's your grade? Uh, also an A. Uh, it, it was the perfect art for this book. Uh, gave it the perfect feel um, of, of setting it in the 60s, yet still be re still being really spooky. Adam, what's your grade? Uh, again, A. The, the art's fantastic. I love the way it's presented. The use of color is great. Like, like Todd said, it was art that drew you in and really made you more... You know, wrapped up in the story. So A. And Todd. Yeah, it's an A for all those reasons. And I'm I'm right there with you. It's also an A. I thought you know art was fantastic and uh, perfect pairing for this book. Uh, so then we're gonna go with the Halloween theme, uh, the spookiness factor. 
Uh, Todd, what's your grade? You know, um, I give it a strong B plus. I mean, I was a, it was the occult was there, the blood and gore, and you've got the human sacrifice, and you have zombies coming from the dead or being reanimated. Yeah, I can give it a B plus. Could it potentially have been scarier? Maybe. So that's why I'm going to give it a big plus because I don't think any book is perfect, or we shouldn't set that bar. But yeah. B plus. Okay. Cool. And Adam? Uh, I'm at an A minus. Again, it was, it's definitely the creep factor there. Uh, I wouldn't say too much that it's a straight up horror comic because it didn't have that. It, it was like it was trying to creep you out, not scare you, make you look over your shoulder. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. like what Sever did. But no, it's definitely creepy and one that I would not want to be reading, you know, like you were saying, in the middle of the night with a black cat mm-hmm. <laughs> looking <Yeah>. up at you. <laughs> uh, and Maya? Uh, I'm right there with Adam on an A minus. Uh, I was actually reading it last night. I only read half of it because I was starting to fall asleep anyway, so my senses were not the best, and then I heard some spooky sounds that was just my cat <laughs> roaming around my room, and, and finally I was like, I have to put it down. Like I'm going to have messed up nightmares. So, uh, no, A-. minus. I thought it, it had, had the right amount of spook for me. And I'm also going to go with an A-. I think of all the Halloween books we read, this one was the most effective, at least at creeping me out just a little bit. And it was the um, most Halloween-y. Uh-huh. Yeah, this was definitely the most Halloweeny book that we read, and uh, <laughs> weenie. yeah, Halloweeny. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, Halloweeny. Uh, yeah, Halloweeny. Uh, so, final grades. Um, we'll go with Adam. Hey, uh, I, I love everything about this book. The artworks, everything clicks perfectly with the writing, and the best thing I can say is it makes me want to go read more. And in fact, if the trade had already been out, I would have already picked it up and been reading it. But I will wait yeah. because I don't want to get three issues in and be like, "What the fuck?" And then have to wait another, you know, couple months before that comes out. So. Well, if you change your mind, you know someone that has the issues. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Temptation right there. Well, speaking of temptation, Maya, what's your final grade? Uh, a, 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 a. There's a. Uh, I mean. Uh, there, there isn't anything that I disliked about this book, and I, I can't recommend it enough. And in fact, when people come into the shop and and look for horror books, uh, it's usually Afterlife with Archie, this, and Severed that I recommend if they want something along the lines of horror. Todd, I'm doing an A as well. I mean, this is what every comic creator should strive to achieve. So there's nothing wrong with it. Sets out does exactly what it set out to do, and it's a class act sample of this is what one this is what the medium can achieve so absolutely it's an a and uh, i'm also going to go with an a uh, i think this is one of the better horror books spooky books that we've read um i i'd give it an a because there's so much stuff that i like about it i don't necessarily think that it completely competes with something like saga and or we like, can the divine yeah yeah but i still i just enjoyed the hell out of this book it's it's a different book but it's just really fun and I think it definitely deserves uh, an A. I think it's just really well done on all fronts and it fires on all cylinders. And now it's time for recommendations. That time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. You're a scam tramp. How dare you? And what is that? You give your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. I think I recommended it earlier, but I'm going to recommend it again because the first issue of the ongoing series actually comes out, uh, will have just come out, or, or sometime around when this episode goes out uh, on October 25th. Uh, 
If you like Afterlife with Archie and you like Sabrina, their next ongoing horror series is going to be Jughead the Hunger. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, let, me, let me just read you the little synopsis for the, uh, the first issue. Jughead Jones is a werewolf, and Reggie Mantle has fallen victim to Jughead's monstrous ways. Now Betty Cooper, werewolf hunter, along with Archie Andrews, are hot on the trail of Jughead. That sounds fun as hell actually and ho- hopefully it's on time and uh we get a trade maybe by next october we can yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, would great. that would be a great halloween book for next year we can hope oh then i'm gonna go with my recommendation this is a blind recommendation as well i haven't read this but it came up in adam's uh panel on riverdale and i looked it up and i am fascinated by it and as soon as i get my reading piled down a little bit more i want to order this book it is called Archie versus Predator. And literally, Archie and the gang go on spring break. The Predator develops a some sort of infatuation with Betty Cooper, follows them back to Riverdale, and so now you have the Predator roaming around Riverdale. It just sounds ridiculous and fun, and I need to read it at some point in time. So for finishing off some Halloween weirdness, uh, that would be my recommendation. Uh, Adam, do you have any recommendations? Ooh, actually, let me jump back in for a uh-huh. second since you yeah. mentioned that. I wanted to mention back in the 90s, Marvel did Archie Meets the Punisher. And I I haven't read it, I haven't read it since then, but I just remember it being really fun and me going like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) Um, And and by the way, uh, John Bushima did the art for that. Okay. Actually, John Bushima and Stan Goldberg, like they coded, like Bushima did the Punisher stuff and and Goldberg, who is known for... Like, the, the Archie that everyone knows did the Archie stuff. Uh, uh, so, Adam. Uh, so, by the time this comes out, it'll have been out for a while, but uh, they just came out with the new Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite fighting game. Uh-huh. Uh, so, it's, it's it was a classic. It kind of started back in the day with X-Men vs. Street Fighter. It's gone from there. You've got tons and tons of characters. You can have, like, Thanos fighting Ryu or Chun-Li. Uh, and the cool thing is they added in the Infinity Stones again. So, every single character... Uh, when you start the, the battle out, you actually choose one, and then you can power it up and do cool things. Uh, they do a really fun story mode, kind of like they've done with Injustice and uh, Mortal Kombat X. Uh, I haven't played as much as I want, because obviously it was the week of Comic-Con, all this took place. But uh, what I have played is really, really fun. The story mode's cool, and uh, it's a really, really deep fighting game. So for people who actually want to jump in and learn to pull off like infinite combos and stuff, you, you have that ability. So but it also it's it's just fun to be like, you know, Rocket Raccoon versus Gamora or versus Mega Man and you know you have these big super powered moves and stuff. So it's if you're a fan of the unrealistic fighting games, uh, definitely check it out. And Todd. Um, the one I have it was put out by Vertigo a number of years ago. It's called In the Shadow of Edgar Allan Poe. I think Brian's flipped to this. Oh I remember that. Um, yeah I've never read it but I flipped it. It's really interesting. The it's not drawn it is like photo collages and stuff put together like a madman's journal through the whole thing. So there was people that posed for the photos and then you had stuff written on the borders and the edges telling the story. And it's kind of a um, someone, it's an Edgar Allan, it's a story of Edgar Allan Poe and his descent into madness. And it's a lot of fun and it's cool, but it's art that's a little bit different than what anyone's ever seen. But it's hard to find. And if you do, good luck. But it was only in hardback. Yeah, we, that was on our list tentatively of maybe something potential for this Halloween. But guess what? This going to be another Halloween next That's October right. as well, assuming the world doesn't what? end. So we'll, we'll have another opportunity to go through some of the stuff. So, well, next week we are going back to uh, our regularly scheduled program. Uh, we are doing a month of November. We are doing a month of uh, November holidays. There are, oddly enough, a bunch of strange holidays in November. Some of them are more, well, they're not all strange. But some of them are more recognizable than others. So we are starting out the month with the celebration of Guy Fawkes Day, even though we are not British, so we're going to be reading V for Vendetta. 
uh, followed by scrolling, scrolling. Uh, for Veterans Day, we are going to be reading Captain America White. For Halloween, or for why is it going to be white? <laughs> I, you know what? We will find out when we read it. Uh, for Thanksgiving, we're reading 1602, which is uh, basically a Marvel book set in the year 1602. Uh, and that read, was written by Neil Gaiman, wasn't yes, it? it yep. was. Yeah, yeah, it was written by Neil Gaiman. And art by um, Andy Kubert, I believe. From what I've, I haven't finished it yet already, but I've, I've read the first bit of it and really dug it. And then apparently sometime after Thanksgiving, there is a holiday that is the Occult Day. So for the Occult Day, we are going to be reading the first book of Hellboy, which I believe is called The Seeds of Destruction. Yep, that um, is. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I've been reading the Hellboy series for the last about year or so, um, and I've really enjoyed it. So I'm happy that we actually get to slip in some Hellboy into this as well. So uh, next week is V for Vendetta. For those of you who haven't seen the movie or haven't heard of it. Star uh, Wing. Yes, it's a it's big, big book. book. It's a big book. It is Alan Moore, which we read, what, two weeks ago. But I believe this is, I'm hoping this is better. Uh, but yeah, this is a... Uh, I think this is going to be along the same lines as, what is it, Watchmen. I think this thing is going to be... A heavy, heavy book. So we'll see what ends up happening. Right, but it was um, done through DC, it, so there was some strong editorial was, ship going on on this book. And if, well, good. And if, if you thought five issues of Sabrina felt long, <laughs> oh, yeah. twelve issues of V for Vendetta feels like a hundred. Yeah, so we, we just take take two a day, and you'll be caught up by the yeah. time the episode ends. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're looking forward to that. I have seen the movie several times. I've never read the book, so I'm excited for the opportunity to read that. Um, I don't know how many differences there are. So I won't describe it to you because I know what the movie is. I don't know what the book is, but uh, I'm assuming they're going to be somewhat the same. But uh, So join us next week for V for Vendetta. Unless anybody else has anything else? Nope, I'm good. Good here. Uh, Cool. Then we'll call it that. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.